Welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're listening today. At Redeemer, we are committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. I hope that this is just one of the ways that you connect to God's presence this week. We have spent this summer studying the book of Psalms together. This intentional time of digging deeper into one book of the Bible has been a powerful way to grow both as individuals and as a church. For week 13, we are in Psalm 121. This is a song of ascent sung by families and pilgrims on their way up the hill road to Jerusalem. It speaks to the protection and care that we experience in God's presence. Adam Barnett shares from this chapter and asks us where we are placing our trust for help on the journey. So here is week 13 of our Psalm study from Pastor Adam Barnett. Well, good morning. Great to see you. Great to see so many of you back from all of your travels and also to all of you who are still traveling and worshiping from many different locations right now. It is good to be with you online as well. In our sermon intro videos throughout this entire Psalm series, you have heard many different voices of Redeemer members who have read portions of the chapter that we're studying each day. Uh, And this morning you heard a portion of Psalm 121 read in Arabic uh, by one of our visiting missionaries who I will not say his name because this is archived, Um, but it is great to have you all with us. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence this morning. And what a great reminder to be diligently in prayer for our missionaries and for the many needs that they have and obstacles that they are facing. Uh, They are currently in the Middle East, uh, France, Cameroon, Sweden, Japan, Indonesia, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Uganda, and Albania. Can we just put our hands together one more time and bless the Lord and thank our missionaries traveling here today. Speaking of missions, I am excited to introduce to you this morning our new Serve and Outreach Director, Amy Senea. This is her family, her beautiful children, Garrison and Elizabeth, beautiful husband as well, Reuben, Uh, you are Reuben. Um, Amy has served on staff at a local church for many years, but also recently was living in Haiti with her family, serving with Mission of Hope, uh, which is actually where we met in 2009. Uh, I was sitting in the back of a pickup truck, which was driven by uh, the vice president of Mission of Hope. I'm asking Reuben if there's a young lady in his life. He tells me he's got this big crush on a girl. I said, what's the problem? And he said, well, the guy driving the truck, it's his daughter. (laughs) Go big, Reuben. Um, But here's a picture Amy found this week of us in 2010 in Haiti while these two were still dating. And uh, that's little Ellie with Andrea and I. She was nine months old, so Andrea and I were trying to date as well as at that time. Um, you will likely see Reuben serving here as well on our worship team. Reuben uh, is a wonderful vocalist. He plays the guitar as well, and piano, and bass, and drums, and saxophone. Um, so excited to have you two here and a part of the Redeemer family. I'd just like you to stand to your feet, please. And let our church honor you and welcome you. Very much looking forward to your ministry here at Redeemer. In the book of Psalms, uh, Psalms 120 to 134, 
are all recognized as songs of ascent. The Hebrew root of the noun ascents means to go up. The songs of ascent represent a pilgrimage song. And although several explanations of this noun ascents have been proposed throughout history, consider Psalm 121 today as a song that would have been known and sang by one or both of the following parties. One would be those who were remembering their great ascension of the Jewish people out of Babylon, and then the other party would have been all of those who were making their annual ascent to Israel as they were required to return to Jerusalem three times a year for agricultural feasts. You can see Exodus 23 if that intrigues you for further reading. So Psalm 121, as I read this, I invite you to notice the outline and the structure of this chapter. Verses 1 and 2 are the traveler's confession of trust in the Lord, and verses 3 through 8 reveal God's blessing on the traveler. Verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. As I read this this week, I was reminded of a good portion of our summer in 2005 when Andrea and I traveled across India with a small team. A great test, by the way, for a couple of newlyweds. Preparation For this trip was intense as we were serving as English teachers in a Buddhist school in a village in Kashmir. And unfortunately for us, we could not rely on the planes and trains and automobiles to get us to this village, so we had to trek. And on this trek, camp in the mountains, and uh, you know, don't let your wife and your friends name chickens that you turn into soup every night along the journey. But at home, we would put on our new hiking boots. We had to break them in. We would put on our our heavy pants, our long sleeve shirt, a heavy backpack, and we would go up and down the stairs at the stadium there on campus in order to prepare our legs and our lungs for this great journey. And shortly before our departure, our missionary friend in India contacted us and said, leave Andrea's wedding ring at home. So we were going to do whatever she said, but I inquired, why? And she said, Adam, we're trekking through the Himalayans. There are bandits, and they like diamonds. Fortunately for us, I was pretty broke at the time, so the diamond's pretty small, but um, bandits. Seriously, you know what a bandit is, Ames? Bandits traveling around the mountains, as it says in 1 Peter, looking for someone to devour. 
I was nervous at the time as we prepared for running into a snow leopard or a wild yak even, but bandits. So the entire flight across the planet, you know what I was thinking about, bandits. And I was rehearsing in my mind, what if we run into some? Like MacGyver, I was creating a plan. And in all of my rehearsals, I won. I was the hero. Always came home with a cool-looking scar as a souvenir. Bandits. So as you look at Psalm 121, we are reminded of the many difficulties of travel in ancient Israel. Eugene Peterson refers to this chapter as traveler's advisory. So let's pay close attention to the promises within this chapter, starting with verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. So the terrain of Israel is decorated with mountains and very unstable. If you're anything like me and you're a former athlete, former, emphasis on former, then your ankles are probably trashed. And you can relate to the fact of you walk very carefully when you're on unfamiliar territory because you can very easily sprain your ankle. On this journey in Psalm 121, one minor slip of the foot may not result in just a sprained ankle, but serious injury and maybe even death. As these people were on their pilgrimage back to Jerusalem, these were very unstable roads. This is not a paved freeway. They're on steep hills, rock paths, very rough terrain. So what pilgrim would not want the protection of God along their journey? But there is a much greater implication here in Scripture, much bigger than, no, God's not going to let you fall and scrape your knee. That's not necessarily what we see here because the word combination depicting this stumbling step is not used in scripture to describe a physical fall. But instead, in Deuteronomy 32, we see this word uh, describing someone being overcome by judgment. In Psalm 38, a description of someone being overcome by personal sin or weakness. In Psalm 66, a description of someone being overcome by oppression from his enemy. In Psalm 94, a description of someone overcome by the wickedness of evildoers among him. So, when the psalmist declared that God will not allow your foot to slip, I don't read that as a promise that throughout this life we're going to have no tragedy, no trial, no temptation, no struggle. I mean, if you're human, you know that we have those things. So what I read Psalm 121 as is a promise of perseverance. That no matter what you face on your journey, no matter what trials await you tomorrow, God is present. And because of his presence, you are able to persevere and move forward in your pain, in your sin, in your weakness, in your conflict. It is his gift of perseverance that keeps us on the straight and steady path ahead. Looking at our missionaries who just shared the many struggles that they have been enduring over the last two years in the Middle East. It is God's perseverance, my friends, that keeps you moving forward. 
straight and steady on your path. I think about you medical professionals in the room with the rising fear and anxiety with this pandemic. Is it this here we go again mentality? Medical professionals, we applaud you. You are heroic. We need you. And it is God's perseverance that will take you forward straight and steady on the path ahead, even as it is unknown. Verse 4. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This is a kind of care and concern and attention that you cannot provide for your neighbor. We cannot provide this kind of care and concern and attention for anyone because we're human. On a recent road trip to visit my in-laws, Andrea and I had a debate in the car. We've had this debate on numerous occasions. What are the little bumps on the side of the highway that are present for when you fall asleep and your tire hits it, it wakes you up. It makes the brrrr. Which, by the way, Andrea was at first service, so I don't mind saying this in this service. I never hit him. <laughs> I'm a great driver. She hits him like a hobby. Just brrr, brrr, the whole road trip. Like, baby, those are not bumpers on the highway. Those are there to wake you up. You need to stay. There's lines. Those bumps are called rumble strips. It's a bizarre name. But they have other names like sleeper lines, growlers, and woo-woo boards. Let me tell you today what is better for you on your journey to keep you straight and steady. Better than woo-woo boards and better than growlers. It's a co-pilot. Do you hear me right now? It's a co-pilot, somebody sitting with you. Somebody that stays awake to help you stay awake so that you're safe, so that you're still moving in the direction that you intended to move. Maybe even someone, a co-pilot, who will take over the wheel and allow you to get some rest. I want to encourage you today with this reminder. We're all on a journey called life, and we have a travel companion, and his name is Holy Spirit, and he doesn't sleep on you. Thanks, Josiah. I'm going to try that again. On this journey called life, we have a travel companion. His name is Holy Spirit, and he's not ever going to sleep. He's always with you, always in tune with what's happening in your life, always present at your greatest or least time of need, paying close attention to every detail in your life. That's who we're traveling with through life. I love this quote from one commentary on the watchfulness of God, the intentionality of God. Listen to this. The gods of this world take naps from time to time. See Elijah's taunting of Baal in 1 Kings 18. The powerful economic God that we bow down to nods off periodically, and we never know when he might rouse himself again. The God of fame takes a snooze at the time of his own choosing and makes the popularity charts spiral downward. The stars of today 
will be the forgotten celebrities of tomorrow, but our God, the maker of heaven and the maker of earth, never slumbers. Is this good news for anybody today? If you believe this is true, if you just, if you hear me preaching right now and you're saying, yep, that's true, here's a whole nother sermon. Give your worries to God. I just told you he's going to be awake all night anyway. Go to sleep. Lay your head down. Rest. Trust. God has you. Verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The pilgrim in Psalm 121, if he is traveling from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem in the south, which is the same route that the exiles would have taken to Judea, then the morning sun would have been on the left side. And how many of y'all know that morning sun on the left side is not as aggressive as the sun on the west side? Except, of course, in August in Oklahoma. But So when the sun is passing overhead, it intensifies the heat. It cranks up the temperature. And then it turns over on the right side late afternoon. And it's really, really hot. To have the Lord watch over us is one thing. But I love the intentionality of this language here. He watches over us on the right side. When the sun is the most intense. What a great deal of relief from the heat. You know what that means? God takes the heat for us. God takes, he absorbs the heat for us. That's how God operates as our companion. He takes the brunt of our hardships that we face in this life. And of course, the greatest extent in which he did so was through Jesus Christ on the cross, dying so that you could receive the right to be a son or a daughter of the living God. He took the heat for us. Verse 6. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. So we've mentioned the sun, of course, a common cause of exhaustion and dehydration and maybe even heat stroke. But what about the moon? It was believed in the ancient world that too much exposure to the moon could pose a threat to our health. Even more recently, it was believed that insanity was caused by the phases of the moon, giving us the term lunatic from the Latin word luna, moon. But I'm a pastor, and I don't know anything about that diagnosis. I'm not in medicine, I'm in ministry. So my personal interpretation of protection at night is from snow leopards, wild yaks, and bandits. That's just my interpretation. You can take it or leave it. I enjoyed, I really enjoyed studying this chapter. Putting myself in the shoes of our ancestors who made these pilgrimages to Jerusalem, thinking about the struggles that they faced, thinking about the fears that they faced as they packed the night before their journey. But to conclude, let me leave you with two questions on how this chapter might apply to your pilgrimage today. 
And the first is this. Are you trusting God for help on your journey? I'm not asking if you believe in God. I'm asking you trust him. Is he your help? The psalmist made the statement of trust as he ascended the hills en route to Jerusalem in verse 2. My help comes from my spouse. My help comes from my good neighbors. My help comes from a good friend, a best friend. My help comes from the body of Christ. My help comes from my retirement, my 401k, my financial security, my health insurance. Those are all fine sources of help. Praise God for them. But at the end of the day, do you wake up with the determination in your soul to look first to God? Willing your soul to know that he is our ultimate source of help. To be sure, this Christian life is an uphill climb because it is an ascent to higher ground. And only through the help of God do we find the strength and the perseverance that we need to press on faithfully to the upward prize that God has reserved for us. Second question. Are you trusting God will keep you both now and forevermore? This is a complex question. The psalm says that the Lord will keep us from all harm, watching over our lives. So how can this be with all of life's unexpected curveballs? How can this verse be true in those seasons of life when we are desperate or in despair? How can this be true with the constant temptations that we face, the trials that unexpectedly knock on our doors, the crisis among us? Furthermore, Jesus told his disciples, if you follow me, Many of you will be put to death. But two verses later, he says, not a hair on your head will perish. How do you make sense of this? If God's going to keep us from harm, and then Christ says to his disciples, if you follow me, you're going to be put to death, but not a hair on your head is going to perish. I would argue today that Psalm 121 verse 7 falls into the same divine category as Matthew 10, 28, where Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Verse 7 says that God will keep our lives. And I believe that this refers to the most satisfying, most rewarding, most meaningful life, the life that lasts forever. See, we are all fellow pilgrims on this journey. Look to your left and right, right now. Go ahead. You're looking at fellow pilgrims on this journey called life. And for those of you who are in Christ Jesus, here's the promise. When the great fever of this life is over, we have the promise of eternal life where we will finally be kept from all harm forever. Amen? We have the privilege of taking communion together now, so if you didn't get those earlier in service or before service, you can go to the back of the sanctuary and pick those elements up.
And before we take communion, I, I want to speak to anyone here who has maybe never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you know the gospel, you've heard it from your childhood, your grandmother puts you in VBS in third grade. I don't know your story. But if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you believe this gospel message is true today, you believe that that gift of eternal life is reserved for you, that promise, not something you can earn, not something that you'll ever deserve, not something that you could ever work for. It is a gift, a free gift right to be a son, the right to be a daughter, the living God, just if you say yes. I'm going to ask the whole church to bow your heads. If everybody would bow your head. And, and those of you who are already believers, say this prayer as well as a reminder of the gift of your salvation. But if, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, it's as easy as this prayer. Just, just whisper this prayer from your heart. Surrender, relinquish control of your life. Return to your first love. Say, God, I believe that you're my creator. And I confess today that I am a sinner, that I will always fall short as hard as I might try. And even as good of a person as I may be, I will always fall short of the standard that you have for me to live in order to receive the gift of eternal life. So God, today, I say I believe that your son Jesus died for me so that I can live forever with you. Just tell him these things. Just say, God, thank you for welcoming me into your family today. And be with me as I learn what it means to walk with you all the days of my life, now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen. Praise God for any of you who just prayed that for the first time. Welcome to the most amazing part of your journey. And that's the days ahead walking with Jesus. So if you have believed in Jesus for 70 years or for the last seven seconds, come to this sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love the Lord Jesus Christ, and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you're strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin, you stand in constant need of God's mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion today, but to seek God's presence. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they're delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you are ready, church, eat and drink this morning and may this sacred moment be food for your spiritual journey. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org 
or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.